Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. So today we have Dana Lawrence on the show. Dana's background is largely in audit with tech startups, specifically in fintech. So kind of hear her story about that. And then we also talk about like at what point does it make sense for a startup um, to get an internal audit department or to to hire their first internal auditor. Um, so we got her her thoughts on that, which are very interesting. We also talk about Dana's story about public speaking and how she got into that and how we can be um, find kind of our authentic selves through doing public speaking, which is a very interesting conversation. And then Dana is speaking at the 2021 Innovative Auditor Challenge. We'll put a link in the show notes, but her topic is on data ethics. So we asked for just a nugget on that topic of data ethics. But if you want to hear more about that, which is going to be a very interesting discussion, she will be speaking, like I said, at the 2021 Innovative Auditor Challenge on April 30th. So uh, check the link in the show notes for that. Dana is known as a mindful leader in tech. So we definitely want to get her opinion on that and mindfulness at work and what we can do to become more mindful. So last thing, check out Dana's LinkedIn profile. There's a link in the show notes to that. Uh, any questions you guys have about any of the topics, she said she'd be more than happy to talk about uh, further. So check that out. All right, here we go. Your background is audit risk compliance uh, in tech startups, which is is not an industry that we've had anyone on the podcast uh, come from. So very interested in that and, and just really interested in your story in that. And uh, maybe some of the, is, is there anything unique about that, you know, industry, um, that situation that you could speak to and really just kind of your, your background around that? Sure. Um, well, Trent, I'm super excited to be here today. I have been following your podcast, so I'm very honored to be able to connect with you. Thank you. Maybe I'll start out with a little bit about my background and how I got into internal audit. I didn't go to school for internal audit. I went to um, uh, University of Washington and um, majored in business with a concentration in finance. And around the time of my graduation, the mortgage industry was extremely hot. Um, It was the early 2000s to date myself. And I actually ended up working for a mortgage broker. And over the next five years, I was a loan originator, an underwriter, a processor. And also I had a real estate license. So I helped a real estate agent. And I saw, I would say the good, the bad, and the ugly of all the mortgage practices that potentially like led to the housing crash. Yep. Um, everyone was doing mortgages. 
some of the practices were extremely shady. I was right out of college. I would say like quite green. Mm -hmm. Um, if I had been in that role now, um, there, you know, I might've taken different actions or, you know, who knows, but it was really interesting learning opportunity. And then as the housing market started to turn, I was actually working for a community bank and I could kind of see the mortgage industry was, you know, slowing down, um, maybe not the best place for a career. And I had the opportunity to job shadow within my, within the bank that I worked at. And I had never even heard of internal audit and someone in HR said, you know, in talking to you, I think you might want to check out internal audit or finance or maybe accounting. And so I did a little job shadow at each and kind of was playing around with the idea of those three. And then um, I ended up uh, pursuing an opportunity in internal audit. And that kind of was my entryway um, into learning about all things internal audit. And so um, what was the, you went from there into uh, FinTech and I'm curious, yeah. what were the, um, the, the uniqueness about that? Uh, I, I know like when we talked, you said it's not, it's more than just free food and ping pong. Yeah. Uh, so I, got, I was hoping you could expand yeah. on that. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, sorry. Fast forward. So we had the traditional banking background and then I was working in Portland and I had a couple of friends who were working at this FinTech startup called simple, which was an online banking service for consumers. And they were, you know, saying it was this really cool thing. And eventually I ended up moving over there to start the internal audit function. And at first, you know, the immediate differences were, Hey, I can wear jeans to work. <laughs> there is a ping pong table. There's free food. You know, this is awesome. But beyond that kind of the, the biggest differences were that, um, there was a lot more collaboration. Um, I had worked in more of a corporate setting where it was more, um, hierarchical and maybe you speak to someone's manager and that manager talks to the other manager and then gives that feedback to that person in right. a, in this tech startup environment, you know, you could be interacting with the CEO, you could be giving the chief financial financial officer an a update on an audit that you're doing because he sits next to you. Um, very, it felt a lot more transparent, um, a lot more, as I mentioned, a lot more collaborative. Also, um, I had a lot of access to different people within the organization, as I mentioned. And, you know, for instance, I, I didn't come into a tech company knowing everything about technology, like not at all. I remember just sitting down and saying, hey, can I, can we get coffee? And can you just like whiteboard how these APIs work? And I would have an engineer just completely geek out and like whiteboard yeah. about um, containerization and like all this, all these security concepts. And uh, people were just very giving with their time and they were kind of like genuinely um, excited about what they were doing. And I think that's another piece was I really enjoy working environments where people are passionate about their craft and, you know, constantly trying to come in and, and seeing how they can make things better. Um, and I'm not saying that isn't present in large, larger organizations, but I've found that to be especially true in startups. Nice. What, um, at what point does a startup need an internal audit department? Mm -hmm. That is a wonderful question. Um, 
they absolutely need it as they're starting to grow and scale, you know, maybe not like the first 10 or 20 hires, Mm -hmm. but I think every company, whether they realize it or not, or that they know that the name of it is internal audit or not, executives want to know that their product is working, that they're not harming consumers. They're not, um, at risk of a data breach, that their brand reputation is not in harm's way. So executives care about this stuff and they want to get that stuff tested to make sure it's working appropriately. I don't know if they always know or have the language to say, oh, that's what an internal auditor would do. Um, So I came on as an auditor and I don't, you know, I think maybe people thought, you know, I could test things. And I, I really kind of took it to the next level and like built out um, a program uh, according to like the IAA standards and all, the, all that good stuff. Um, but you might also see um, more of like second line of defense uh, control testing folks um, within a startup. But I think, um, I think executives absolutely want it. They might just not have they might not be able to like make that connection that, that that's actually an internal auditor you want. And yeah. you want that sooner than later so that you're, you have the processes to go on the right path. Yeah. I, I, I heard a board member say the other day, um, talking to an internal audit, uh, chief audit executive, and really was praising them for what they do and said, literally, I sleep better at night knowing that we have you. And yeah. like, that's kind of a, a cliche almost like, uh, that you hear people say like, we'll help you, you know, sleep better at night or whatever. Um, but I mean, this person said it and really, really meant it. And so that, that really stood out to me, uh, to hear that feedback from, from a board member and mean it genuinely that that's, you know, what they feel like the role is. And I would imagine when you are growing as a tech startup like that, the, I mean, just the amount of stuff (laughs) that's going on constantly and the stress and the anxiety of it, um, to be able to sleep easy at night is something that I don't know if a lot of, uh, startups can do, uh, just because like uh, all the other things that are going on. So to be able to say like, okay, if nothing else, I can sleep better at night because I know we're not going to get in trouble for this, this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, there's, you know, breach wise, or, uh, you know, we have a sock two in place and then, you know, I feel good about that and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, really good point. I appreciate that. Yeah. And so I know you've, you've done that work and then you also uh, have started doing more public speaking, I, I guess what yeah. you started about seven years ago. Um, yeah. So I kind of wanted to hear your story about that too. I think, yeah. it, I think ours are pretty similar, um, but I'll let yeah. you. I'll, I'd love to hear yours as well. I'll, um, I'll give you the stage. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Um, when I moved into my first tech startup role, I had done very little kind of public speaking or anything like that. Like maybe I would get up at a staff meeting and do a five minute presentation, but it was really very limited and it was very formal or it was within the context of a a meeting or presentation. Um, Within my work at startups, it was, the company was small enough where we would congregate very frequently and we'd have company all hands, which were Uh, weekly, more informal gatherings. And the culture was very focused around people would get up and speak with a microphone in front of like one to 200 people, like constantly. And it didn't matter if you were the CEO or if you were a manager, you would be, it was just part of the culture. And I remember um, I did my first all hands and it was, (laughs) it was absolutely terrifying. I think I was like physically like, 
you know, I don't think I got sick, but I was like absolutely trembling in my boots mm -hmm. and it was a wonderful experience. I also realized that, um, to kind of grow in my own leadership path, I needed to be a lot more comfortable in, um, meetings and doing, you know, just ad hoc presentations and figuring out how to be confident in my own authentic way. Um, I, my style is different from anyone's style. Everyone's unique. And, but I still think it's, about kind of growing and developing confidence in your own authentic way. So I got really involved with my local Institute of Internal Auditors and I started setting up um, all the monthly events and I would also um, kick them off as the host. And I was absolutely terrified and some of them were, were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like just pretty cringeworthy, but it was a lower, um, it just like the, there was no pressure. It was just a volunteer thing. And kind of over time, I've realized that I want to also encourage other people to kind of find their voice and what kind of excites them about audit or their career. And perhaps if they can see me, um, you know, get up there and not, not be perfect, but be excited about my subject matter, um, it could encourage someone else. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not a polished uh, public speaker. It's it's kind of just whatever comes out, comes out. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's authentic or not. And I think the, a follow-up question to you is how can we kind of discover who we are as public speakers in that authentic yeah. self? Uh, and for me, it just came with the more I did it, the less I relied on memorizing something, you know, whatever it was. I did this uh, engagement with ACUA. They're the college and university audit group. Okay is in New Orleans. It was the first one I'd ever done. And I spent, I think I practiced, it was a hundred, it was supposed to be a hundred minutes. And I think I rehearsed it. Um, I know I did, I think the week before, I can't remember now. I think I did it every day. So two hours every day I did it. Wow. And then like the week of, I did it like every other day or something like that. On the way down to New Orleans, which is about somewhere between four and six hours, I can't remember now, uh, I did it without the slides. Like I did the whole thing out loud because uh, I was really scared that I was not going to have enough to say. Mm -hmm. Got there day of, like went to the room and checked it out so that I had a feel for, you know, the room and everything and then did it. And it was 60 minutes and I got done and I went, uh, guys, we still have like 40 more minutes. I don't have anything else to say. So go enjoy bourbon street. I don't know what to tell you. Like I flew through that thing. Hey everyone. Thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at audit board, the leading cloud-based platform, transforming how enterprises manage risk audit boards, integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions, streamlines, internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with Audit Board's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform in action today. How can, that's what, you know, I guess practice yeah. is what worked for me. How can we find like that authentic yeah. voice? I've received feedback from a lot of people who I think were well-intentioned. Hmm. Um, but ultimately, ultimately I decided not to take this feedback. And that was along the lines of fake it until you make it. Um, 
you need to be a lot more aggressive. You need to be a lot louder. You need to be a lot like, you need to be a lot more kind of the traditional leader of, and it was all things where that's not really who I am. Mm -hmm. And also, and I understand like fake it till you make it. There's, you know, there's all different thoughts on that. Um, What I really, what I really connected with was, I, I believe that when you are authentic to yourself and you're genuinely interested in something that will come through, like people are interested when you're authentic. If you are reciting something that you think someone wants you to say, or trying to be something you're not, um, I don't, I personally don't think that you can claim your power that way. Um, I think it's literally kind of embracing yourself. If you're goofy, if you're an auditor who likes (laughs) giant flower paintings and bright colors, um, (laughs) you know, just kind of being authentic to your, to your own self and also picking topics that resonate with you. I've in the speaking that I've been able to do, you know, I completely geek out over all things audit, like hundred <laughs> percent, probably you do too, since you have a podcast on it. Um, <laughs> like we genuinely find this stuff kind of interesting. And then I also like thinking about how these different risk and audit topics actually impact our greater society, such as the data ethics conversation. Um, I'm going to have on April 30th as part of the innovative auditor challenge. Yes. We'll go over, you know, the technical pieces around like, what is machine learning? What is AI? Um, You know, go over those foundations. What is GDPR, CCPA, how how to have appropriate data governance. We're also gonna go over things like, why is this so critically important? Um, How can data ethics significantly change our society for positive? And then also the, you know, the, the darker, the more negative effects, um, if data is not properly managed. Yeah. And I don't want to go into too much detail on data ethics. Cause I know you're going to be presenting on it. Like you said, um, a fantastic way to get CPE, by the way, for those that, that didn't attend the, uh, the audit challenge last time, we'll put a, a link to it. Um, a little mini plug for myself cause I'm speaking at it also, but it is fantastic. <laughs> it's a really good event. So, uh, we'll put that out there, but so you're speaking to data ethics next week, uh, on the challenge. Um, so I don't want you to give too much away, but can you give us, you know, maybe a, a nugget or two on that? Sure. So one of the key points I want to drive home is how pervasive the collection of data is. And so I would actually ask you, Trent, in the last 24 hours, or actually since you woke up this morning what are some of the ways where you have shared your data? Like, do you have a Starbucks app? Do you have a Fitbit? I mean, just start thinking about all the ways your data has been collected. Yeah. I, I purposefully delete all that stuff. Like there's even, there's a park mobile app. So you go, like you can use it to pay. You don't have to put Mm -hmm. money into the, the, um, what's it, a parking meter. Mm-hmm. You can do it from an app. I'll literally go there, download the app, pay for it. And then when I leave, I delete it. Cause I don't use it that often anyway. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what are you, you're, I know you're getting location data. I know you're getting all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just not going to give it to you. Yeah. But um, so I'm aware of it, but I'm, I know that they have everything, <laughs> you know? So, um, but anyway, please keep going. Yeah. And not, and not to focus on, you know, like the negative aspects. Cause you know, the collection of it isn't necessarily good or bad. There's actually some really 
fantastic and wonderful things. And Mm -hmm. we'll kind of discuss what those could be. And then um, really just wanting to empower auditors and risk professionals to have these conversations with their organization, consider adding it to your audit schedule. And what are some of the key building blocks to setting up your audit over this area? Um, and also resources because one hour is kind of the, the tip of the iceberg. And in preparing for this, I went down quite the rabbit hole and was like downloading audiobooks and listening to things on YouTube. And um, it's, it's just a really interesting topic for our time. Something else I wanted to get your opinion on or your thoughts on, uh, because I know it's something that you are passionate about. So it should yeah. be one of those easy public speaking type of things. <laughs> but, uh, and it's something that, that I've been interested in for uh, a few years now, but mindfulness at work. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> so can you, can you speak to that and yeah. uh, what that is, maybe even what it isn't, if that makes yeah. sense. And then yeah. what we can do to become that. I'm so excited you asked about this. Um, so almost 20 years of my professional life has been very much banking, financial services, audit compliance, very kind of technical focused things. And yet there's also a part of me, which is I'm very much engaged in having a mindfulness practice. And for me, a mindfulness practice simply means doing activities that bring me back into the present moment where I'm not, you know, ruminating about something that happened last week, or I'm not worrying about something that's upcoming. And I find that having, you know, having that practice in my life. And that could be going on a walk, exercising, doing a mindfulness meditation, yoga. I mean, it literally could be anything for any person. Having that helps me feel more grounded as I'm going through my workday. It helps me have more space to come up with solutions. I mean, sometimes things happen at work and they're really challenging issues (laughs) and there's not a clear clear way forward. Um, So it kind of helps create more space. It helps me navigate my professional relationships um, with more ease. And I really want to start having conversations with people about that because I think there's a lot of burnout in the workplace or people who are kind of hovering around burnout and kind of wondering like, is this really is this really it? Like, is this the dream? Like I have this job and like, now I feel chronically burnt out. Like, is is this really what I want to, you know, what I'm striving for? Um, And also I think that uh, I just, yeah, I just think it would be, I'd love to have more kind of conversation around it. And also I'm doing a certification program. So I'm doing some projects now and then hopefully I can, you know, do some offerings more broadly in the future. I had to go to a chiropractor, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. And I was sitting there and I think it was a Time Magazine. Mm-hmm. You know, they just had it in the lobby. So I was flipping through and, uh, you know, we we're talking earlier about just all the like weird health crap that, that yeah. it sounds like you and I both do. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm always trying to get better at everything. Yeah. And, and so like, it was about mindfulness. And so I opened, I was reading the article and I don't know if they plug, I don't know if it was about um, Headspace, the app, or if they just were like, oh, by the way, if you want to do this, try Headspace, the app. So I was like, okay, whatever, I'll try that. And so I did that and it was, it is very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, f- you know, for me personally, I don't, um, 
like things tend to stay in my head as like an introvert. Yeah. So I don't really get them out there. And so they'll build up and I'll just be yeah. un, like, not like the Hulk type mad, but you know, like it'll just kind of build and build and build. And then, uh, it, it wasn't until I started doing that though, uh, using that app that I would go be like, dude, it's cool. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, like you're mad. People get mad. Yeah. It's fine. Don't, you know, the, just like the rumination of it though, just drove mm-hmm. me nuts. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, I, I, I go into all that to ask what, can we do like what do you what what would be your recommendation to apply this Mm. to to become mindful yeah yeah I think just diving in and doing something each day shooting for something each day and one thing I do when I'm feeling particularly busy is something called the box breath and literally you can do it like at your computer you could do it right now and you just you know you have this little box which is your computer or your device and you simply um let's say well I got the side of my screen over here so I'd simply breathe in for four counts one two three four hold for one two three four exhale one two three four and hold for one, two, three, four. And I, you know, the counting might not have been perfect there, but the point is simply to bring your awareness back to your breath in kind of a calming manner. And it can, if you were to simply do that two times, that was 32 seconds out of your day. And that Mm -hmm. can start grounding you and calming you down. So then you can start getting some data like, oh, Hey, I'm actually feeling really upset or I'm actually, you know, noticing kind of like how you're doing and maybe like, oh, maybe there's something I can do for myself um, to help myself feel better or to just simply notice what's going on. So, so go ahead. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. So um, the, the, the technique though, you were like drawing the box. Do you do that with your finger? Like you did, or you just, do you follow it with your eyes? You do it with your finger? I would just, I would just do it, do it with your eyes. Um, I don't know why I was doing it with my fingers to eliminate that it's a box, but um, it's really just a four breath, a four count hold, four count breath in four count, hold four count, exhale and four count pause at the end of that. Okay. I just did it while you're saying that. Okay. Yeah. It <laughs> was good. Um, but just, and then also, you know, you can get into different apps. Um, but what my practice looks like is maybe four days a week, I'll do a 60 minute yoga class. And for that 60 minutes, I'm just focused on being in the room, being in my body. That's very grounding. Um, I also use, um, different meditation apps. Um, just what do you things- use? Um, I like the insight timer app. It has like a bazillion teachers, so it could potentially be kind of overwhelming. Um, but you can kind of sort by different genres or different topics that might interest you. And there's a free version and then there's a premium version, but I, I do like the variety and I do like learning, um, about new teachers and there's also music and, I can just turn on some soothing music and it kind of <laughs> makes whatever stressful situation a lot more uh, yeah. uh, manageable. <laughs> who do you, uh, so I didn't, apparently I've downloaded this app before and I guess I didn't use it. Uh, who do you like on that app? Like who would be a good person to. There is a person named John Sadiq. Uh, and I don't know if we've had a, an auditee come on to explain like that side of it. But I know you've been in 
uh, first and second line uh, and third line. So I'd like to hear your your opinion on that. And and you've talked about how that can make you a more effective um, audit professional. So I'd be interested in, in hearing that story. I think it's really an interesting experience to be the auditee after you've spent a lot of years as an auditor. <laughs> um, and I will just say I've had wonderful auditee experiences and then I've had significantly less than wonderful auditee experiences. Um, what, what I would say creates a very positive experience, even if there's findings. I'm, you know, I think it's, it's less about the findings. It's more about, is this person um, doing their homework, a reasonable amount of homework before they're asking questions? Um, are they well organized? And then most importantly, communicating very candidly, if there is potentially an issue, I've had situations where no one said anything to me. And then an issue ended up on the final audit report that hadn't been validated and right. wasn't correct. And so it kind of was a, it blew up at the end. And then I've also had situations where the audit manager checked in with me every week and said, here's the potential issues. Do you have any additional documentation to validate? So I think um, trying to put yourself in the auditee's shoes and providing an element of service. I know auditors need to be objective and unbiased, but I would really encourage auditors to think of it from like a service component as well. Like you still need to get the point across and you can still call out all these issues and findings, um, but you can also do it with empathy. And that's kind of the, the, um, the, the challenge or suggestion I give to other auditors. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've heard some recent stories uh, from folks on the show about, and they didn't use the word empathy. I used it for them, but I said, well, mm -hmm. you're, it sounds like you're doing that with empathy. And they were talking about working with the business to get the control as effective and not be a huge burden also yeah. on the, the department or area they're auditing. So I uh, definitely like that. I think we can, at least in terms of the anxiety that can create for the auditees and empathizing with that. If you've been mm -hmm. QAR'd or if you're in mm -hmm. public accounting and you were PCAOB'd, um, yeah. it's a pretty terrible feeling. Dana, we've, we've hit on a broad spectrum of topics, mindfulness, uh, FinTech, uh, public speaking. Is there, is there anything else that you want to leave the audience with? You know, um, I think we had a great conversation today and thanks for having me on. Uh, just want to share with the audience, I am presenting on data ethics on April 30th. So if you're interested, I'd love to have you attend. Otherwise, if you're interested in learning more about mindfulness at work or just want to connect, uh, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. All right. Appreciate it, Dana. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.